ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into episode two of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. My name is Chris Allen. I'll be your host for this evening. And with me is my partner in crime, Adam Wildy. And we also have a very special guest for you tonight, Bobby Koch from Dynasty League Football. So, first of all, you can find me on Twitter at ChrisAllenFFWX. But Adam, uh, how are you doing tonight? And let the folks know where they can, you know, check out some of your work that you've got going on right now hey chris i'm doing great um you can find me at dhh underscore adam mostly just working on this dynasty owners manual today's going to be a great show talking some quarterbacks so i'm really excited for to talk to some two qb guys Exactly. Now, Bobby, I know we just, you know, for those of uh, the, you know, for the few people that might be listening that don't know who you are, because I, I see you posting every day, I mean, every day, your mentions are always in flames, like whenever I happen to pull up TweetDeck. Uh, so for the few people that don't know, can you give us uh, just a quick synopsis of, uh, you know, what you do, both in real life and for the fantasy community, and uh, kind of how that contributes to, to what you do in the fantasy community? Sure. So, as you guys already know, my name's Bobby. I go by Wrecked Fantasy. That's R E K E D Fantasy on Twitter. And as I'm apparently now obliged to say, that's my initials. I'm not trying to be some Twitter tough guy. I work on, for Dynasty and Fantasy purposes, I work on Dynasty League football. I also work at, as you mentioned, at 2QBs. Uh, as of recently, I'm now one of your coworkers at Draft Day Consultants, and I work on the Afterburner Spot. And I apologize if you hear that in the background. My uh, dog is currently going crazy. That dog is going ham right now. Goodness. Yeah. And then in terms of real life, so I am waiting for school to start, and I'm going back to business school to get my MBA. Very nice. All right. So with that being said, I think we can just go ahead and get into it. But now that I have to, I have to ask real quick because uh, the brewer in me, like, I have to, I have to wonder: is that is that a, is that an alcoholic beverage you're drinking this evening? I have to know. It's actually just a Lacroix. It's, oh uh, come on! It's coconut Lacroix. All right, I can't. Oh, no, the worst flavor. Yeah, absolutely. You don't like coconut? I might have to get no. off this podcast right now. <laughs> okay, uh, see, it's a, we're only like two minutes in, and we're starting off with the, with, the, with the food hot takes, which happens to be something that's all the rage right now on Twitter. Yeah, um, I don't get it. That's why I posted that thing about just liking cake. Exactly. <laughs> you and me both, man. But like, like I said earlier, we always need something to argue about. It's the off season. we got to do something. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, all right, so uh, getting into Dynasty football, I mean, again, and this is kind of, uh, you know, my, my approach to it is very, is very much from the stance that I am new to Dynasty football. I'll be honest with both of you guys. I mean, this is my, I guess, second season in uh, getting into Dynasty, so I'm very much new to understanding player value, uh, you know, uh, the value of a, of a pick, uh, you know, things of that nature, rookies and whatnot. So talking with you guys and getting a better understanding or better feel for how you go about evaluating them, whether it be, you know, through analytics, whether it be, uh, whether it be through film, you know, all of that. Uh, I'll give you, you know, building off of what we discussed in episode one with uh, Carl Safchik, salute to Carl. You know, he gave us his I would say non-opinionated, quick description of what Dynasty was and like kind of led into Dynasty football, more or less being, let's say, keeper league on roids. That was my, at least, uh, analogy, you know, if I wanted to try and understand like what Dynasty Dynasty is. And he, and he agreed and he elaborated like from there, but based off of that premise of it being, uh, you know, a, a, let's say a keeper league on roids, I mean, can you build on that and give us your take on what Dynasty formats are? 
Sure. So dynasty formats are for people who are obsessed with fantasy football and can't get enough from their redraft league. So they continually make it more complex. And initially it starts out as you keep those players forever. Then, at least from my experience, you start dipping your toes in more and more complicated formats because even that's not enough for you anymore. So that's when you move into what we're going to talk about later today, which is the two quarterback and super flex leagues. And then after that, you get even more complicated and you start going into auction leagues. Some people I know even go really crazy with it and get into uh, the bankroll stuff. But really, Dynasty is just for those of us who are addicted to fantasy football. It's the simplest way I can put it. Absolutely. And I, I think that and that makes sense because I kind of got scared my first time getting into Dynasty because I hopped right into the very deep end of the pool where I got into an IDP league that had uh, that had salary contracts and everything. So I, I'm first trying to understand I'm getting traded, uh, you know, Calais Campbell and Doug Baldwin all at the same time, like for for picks, uh, you know, a couple years down the down the road. And I'm trying to figure out like what, and, you know, and you know, people are talking about contracts and whatnot. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, this, this is too much for me. I'm, I'm trying to understand, you know, what, what you guys are even talking about when it comes to putting these contracts together, let alone player value and whatnot. So I think yeah, it's the closest you'll ever get to being a real GM unless one of us gets lucky enough to land a real GM job. I know. Oh, absolutely. And with some of the with some of the free agency moves that we've been seeing over the past, you know, past couple of weeks or so, I'm willing to say that probably some of the best folks in 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 the fantasy football community could probably be a legitimate GM for an NFL franchise. I mean, side question, but would you guys agree with that? I mean, Adam, what's your take on it? <laughs> Oh, absolutely! I should be a GM right now. I would, I would destroy the Browns off season. It would be amazing. I mean, I think so much, so much so that I mean, the arguments that folks have been getting into over whether or not Sashi Brown, rest in peace, Sashi Brown, was able to you know put together a decent amount of draft capital for Dorsey to take over and lead the Browns to let's hope maybe one win this season. Let's at least you know baby steps. That franchise aside. I mean, the Giants and the current, you know, NFL trade talks with Odell Beckham. I mean, yeah, we don't talk about that unless yeah. you want to start crying. <laughs> on there. I, I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm sitting there scratching my head. I mean, just trying to understand the, the thought process behind some of these moves. But I mean, Bobby, what do you think about that? So I'm a fan of what I call borrowed brilliance, which is that you take opinions and ideas from other people and build upon them. So I don't know if one of us could necessarily do it, but I actually thought about this earlier because someone proposed a similar question to me of basically if I was the owner of the Giants, what would I do? They're a team of other fantasy analysts that if I were to buy the Giants would probably be my first hires. I'd be like, okay, you're my cap guy. You're my this. You're my film guy. You're my head scout. You're this. You're this. You're this. And I would just surround myself with the smartest people in football that I know, which is fantasy football people, and see if we could run a team. I think that's the most uh, realistic and intelligent approach that I've heard to putting together a a, a GM proposal from Fantasy Twitter that, that I've that I've heard you know to date. So I think that's the way that maybe somebody could propose that because I thought that it, when the Panthers were going up for sale when that was first announced that it was possible that hey if we could get enough folks from Fantasy Twitter together and it, maybe everybody invests in Bitcoin or you know some sort of cryptocurrency <laughs> maybe we could you know throw together their scratch and buy the Panthers and see how everything goes after that. But let's uh, put a thousand Fantasy nerds in. Five dollars a piece, 
nice Man. little buy-in, and let's run this thing. I would buy stock in that team if it was like you know <laughs> folks like Silva and a few and a few other guys that were running that run that franchise. I would buy stock in that team. I mean, but yep. all right, I, I, I digress. So, so let's get into what we, we you know we brought you on here to, to talk about tonight. So before we get into the different formats and whatnot, from based off of your interest and in how you go about evaluating players, mm-hmm. you know what is your typical typical path to evaluating players? So I've gone on many podcasts now, and there have been obviously film versus analytics is a huge debate, right? And what I like to say is I'm neither. I'm a storyteller or narrative guy where I like to look at stats, I like to watch as many games as I can. I'm not going out there and calling myself a film guy because I'm not watching, spending all my free time watching film, but I watch as many games as I can to put it in context. So I don't really take a side on the debate. I guess if I had to, I'd say that I'm an analytical guy because I like to look at historical comparisons if you've ever seen me tweet out the trivia, for example. But again, it's that borrowed brilliance thing I'm talking about where I'll look at stats and go, hey, this stat suggests this player is pretty good. I'll talk to someone who I know watches a ton of film and say, is there anything you saw here? So, for example, last year I was very into Devin Funches. And I might have pronounced that wrong. That's part of my brand is apparently I pronounce players' names wrong. But I asked somebody, and I remember I had watched at least one game that Cam Newton was playing, and he is very inaccurate. And I said, do you think that that led to just not necessarily putting up the numbers that he could have as the WR1. And the guy that I will not necessarily mention, because I can't even remember exactly who it was off the top of my head, but he said, yeah, he was inaccurate all year. And so I could easily see that being an issue for why he didn't put up the numbers you think he might have. So, and I think that makes sense because there's the, you can you can find analysts that that have, that make their bread and butter on both sides of the ball, right? I mean, from when it comes to when it comes to watching film, I mean, there are great guys, you know, like of course, you know, Matt Waldman, uh, Justice Mosqueda. I mean, there are a lot of guys that take their time and break down film. Uh, Mark Schofield. I mean, that that can take a they take a game tape and give you you know give you that story that you're, that you're talking about. But then you know, on the other side, I mean, there are a number of guys too, like you know. Uh, Josh ADHD, Frisco. I mean, a, a ton of those guys. Scott Barrett. I mean, all all of those guys that can also take numbers and tell a similar story or maybe a different story. But like you just said, I mean, I think they're you know the answer. Maybe the best way to do it, it can be somewhere you know in the in the middle. Yeah, you don't have to take a side. The truth some probably lays somewhere in the middle, and context matters on both sides. So, yeah, it's great to pull numbers, but without the context of what's happening in the game, that's not great. It's great to look at, you know, film and say, oh, this is what my eyes tell me. But numbers are facts that you can't really argue with too much, which is why I like to combine the two. Right. Right. I'm with Bobby. I'm with Bobby as well, where you're going to want to uh, use both sides as a dynasty owner. One hundred percent. You should never uh, put yourself in a corner as a film guy or or a stats guy because they really both paint the paint the full picture you have half a picture with one side so um the borrowed brilliance that bobby alluded to is a perfect expression because i just know that guys are way smarter than me from the uh, analytics standpoint so i'm totally cool going to get those analytics and then what i'll do is take what they've given me with the analytics and i'm going to go see if it translates to the film um because the problem that i see with analytics is that the team's uh standing could have definitely affected how that player produced in any given situation. Maybe 
that team was very pass oriented or and now now say they didn't get drafted to a pass oriented team so then you might not be able to say that um he's going to produce the same way when you get to the nfl so you really want to know if those players really are that so that's where i take the film in so i'm on the same fence as bobby but i lean the opposite direction slightly right and i think from uh, for myself uh you know personally i think as i've you know started to grow in the in the community and get a better feel for you know what what type of analysis is out there on both sides of the fence you know i have come to the same conclusion as you guys you know uh i can stare at you know pro football reference and scrape as much data as i as i want to and you know pull up as many you know stats and metrics from pro football focus and you know whatever the case may be all i want but at the end of the day you know what happens on film and what happens you know on the field i mean it has to have some sort of you know context behind it you know that, that has to have some sort of weight behind it that you know we can we have to you know include in our assessment of a player so i think it's important that you, you know if you do you know want to lean one way because that's your that's your personal preference you also have to take the other side you know in into context so i think it, that is very important that you know good points from from both of you guys so bobby i mean i know you're you know, your focus, especially with what you you know what you do for two QBs and whatnot, is is definitely more quarterback focused. Uh, so before we get into the focus of this evening and the different formats, what's one quarterback? It could be an NFL quarterback or a prospect uh, that you're uh, you know that you're high on at, at this point. So I think most people probably expect me to say Blake Bortles, but I'm not going to say Blake Bortles because I've said Blake Bortles enough. Uh-oh. Batman yeah. Bortles. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I still – don't get me wrong. I still love Blake Bortles. He's incredibly underrated. If you don't believe me, I'm happy to get in a Twitter argument with you about it. But I'm going to say Josh Rosen, who's my QB1 for the incoming rookie class. Um, Josh Rosen, and I've said this on many podcasts before, but – I like everything about Josh Rosen. There's been a comparison going around that he's like a cross between Eli Manning and Matt Ryan. I don't remember who said it first. I don't even remember if maybe I said it first and it circulated or I picked it up from someone else and then it circulated, but there've been a bunch of us saying it. It's a very apt comparison and I really want him to go to the Giants. If you look at my pinned tweet on Twitter right now, I said that if the Giants draft Josh Rosen, I will buy a jersey and I will record some kind of video to celebration by cool in the game so now you have me my voice actually <laughs> authorizing that and so i can't say no someone hacked my account i am authorizing the fact and verifying that i will do that all right so and that's from a from a rookie standpoint do you have any current vets or any that you that you think is let's say undervalued you know minus blake bortles yeah uh another one that people who follow me know is uh, Russell Wilson is actually my QB one for dynasty purposes. And people think that's ridiculous to have him over Aaron Rodgers. The stat that I always go to, because again, I like historical stuff is since the beginning of the league, six seasons into his career, Russell Wilson has the most total yardage of any quarterback ever. Only Bobby could bring the QB three into play as underrated, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Now the fact that you underrated because he should be the undisputed QB one. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm I'm kind of with Bobby on this one because in my in my studies and I, um, I don't know how much you guys have been able to peruse some of my work, but in the studies that I did with uh, um, with quarterbacks and the the impact of weather on quarterbacks, Russell Wilson graded out as one of the best quarterbacks that has been able to adjust to any of the extreme weather patterns that happens to have come through Seattle. Uh, his efficiency metrics have almost been untouched 
when it comes to uh, when it comes to high weather, uh, you know, high winds and things of that nature. So I'm definitely with Bobby on that, where it is kind of surprising that uh, you know, for somebody that's all, you know, let's say how long has he been in the league? Five five years now, five seasons. It's, he's going into his seventh season. Seventh season. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Twenty twelve. That's right. Yeah, going into a seventh season now. I mean, to have that that level of consistency, and also in terms of from an all time standpoint, I'm trying to I'm trying to think, but I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, he has one of the highest uh, adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's even over yep. Aaron Rodgers, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I think you're right on that. And the other thing is, you said he had to adjust to weather. He's had to adjust to everything. He has a terrible <laughs> line. They right. never give him like any receivers. I mean, don't get me wrong. Doug Baldwin is fine, but besides Doug Baldwin, they really don't. Basically, Russell Wilson is Mister Adaptable. <laughs> oh, Playing yeah. two on eleven out there, right? And I, I, I'm I'm somewhat concerned for him this season because I mean, at least for you know two games out of the year, he's gonna have to run from both Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald like in the oh, same God, that's scary. in one game. So I I am kind of you know fearful for him you know this upcoming season, but he'll make it happen one way or the other because somehow or another he you know he he does it. Yeah, unless he's injured, that's it, my only qualifier. If he somehow gets hurt, then right. I will not say he's a QB one this year. Exactly. I don't know. Wentz threw a touchdown. On a torn ACL, let's see what Russ could do. Mm-hmm. I don't wish that upon him. Yeah, Russ will do it on two torn ACLs. He'll somehow tear both ACLs and also throw a touchdown all like all at once. Probably he wouldn't even him. throw it. He'd rush for it. He'd exactly. Like, oh, you know, exactly. exactly. Who's he going to throw to anyways? Exactly. So, see, I like Bobby. See? Okay, all right, so... <laughs> We've gone through that, so now let, let's get into the nuts and bolts. I mean, so we're talking about the, tonight. We really want to get into the different uh, the different formats. So when it comes to when it comes to dynasty, I mean, you have at least the three formats that we want to get in tonight will be you know one QB, which is your know, typical standard league, but then also two QBs and also super flex. Uh, so one QB, I mean, of course, you know that's again as I mentioned, that's fairly standard. But to me, uh, you know, again newbie not knowing too much about you know either i mean two quarterback and super flex sound the same to me because it sounds like i'm still going to wind up starting two quarterbacks so i mean can you explain to me what the difference is between those two formats and why they need to be two completely separate formats sure so two quarterback and super flex while very similar and i even draft for them almost exactly the same do you have some key differences? And the key differences are that in two quarterback, you have to draft, or sorry, start two quarterbacks. And that places a bit more value on the quarterbacks as a whole, because that means that you have to have, if you want to compete anyway, a third viable quarterback. Whereas in Superflex, you don't have to start a quarterback in the Superflex spot. However, if you're smart, you will be, because the point differential is so huge. But because you don't have to, that means that you don't necessarily have to have that QB3 on your bench if you don't feel like you really need him because you're very, very confident. Although I wouldn't recommend that. That's a very risky strategy. It also differs in trade value. So let's say I like to, in Dynasty, equate everything to first-round picks. So let's say in two QBs, I'd say that Russell Wilson, I'm just making this off, off the top of my head, but he's worth four first, right? In Superflex, I might say, okay, because I don't have to start a QB in this spot, he's worth 3.5 first. And it's just a slight difference in value, but it does impact how I trade in the different formats. In my opinion, I'm, I'm not even going to look at 
if my league's a 2QB or a super flex league. Um, here's the reason why. You're going to draft exactly the same. And we're going to talk about drafting here in just a minute. But you're going to draft exactly the same. And you're you're not going to win a championship without a QB. Now, here's one thing that Bobby alluded to is that you, de- you don't exactly need that QB insurance so much on a super flex roster because what's the difference between you having Andy Dalton as your QB three, or maybe you've got you're stacked at running back and you get a Kenyon Drake situation. So now Kenyon Drake was worthless on your roster, bottom roster guy. Um, now you're looking at, do I want to start Kenyon Drake or Andy Dalton? I will certainly start Kenyon Drake in a favorable matchup over Andy Dalton and a non favorable matchup. So he's certainly correct right there. That, little different in Superflex because you do have the option, but you are not going to win doing that consistently. So what's important in a Superflex um, format is that you still go find those Josh McCowns or the Andy Dalton or everyone who thinks Blake Bortles is in the same tier as them. I agree with Bobby. He's not. I don't care if he sucks in real life. He's great for my fantasy team. And he didn't Um, suck in real life last year. Fun fact. He was good. Yeah, he really didn't. No, for real. I, I, I'm with you on that, and we will fight to the death because we're the only two. Um, so so definitely you, you have the option, but please remember that as an emergency situation in Superflex where uh, the cards have to line up perfectly for you to start a non-QB in the Superflex, and you will not win a championship uh, doing well, that consistently. I'd qualify that you could win a championship it's a very very risky strategy and if you're newer to the format you're going to want three quarterbacks that you can start in any given week and feel good about you're right that's a bold move cotton exactly (laughs) (laughs) so when it comes to i mean so like everything that you guys mentioned right now with the nuances between the between the formats and you're talking about you know valuing valuing quarterbacks differently depending on you know which format that you're in i mean do you see an associated skill level like with each with each format like for, you know one quarterback seems like okay well i'll just draft my players and then you know and then we're off and we're off and rolling but when when it comes to 2QB and superflex there seems to be enough differences that you know maybe you know that wouldn't be the first thing that i hop into maybe i just give dynasty you know a standard league a shot for one year so i can get the feel for player values and then maybe i hop into you know a super flex league or a 2QB somewhere down the line after i get the hang of it you know does does that make sense or do you think it, you know 2 QB or Superflex is something that you can just hop into and, you know, start drafting from there. So you're describing exactly what I did, which is I started out in a 1 QB league for a year or two before hopping into 2 QBs and Superflex. You know, it is a bit more nuanced. Uh, Some people are going to get mad at me for saying that it's more complex because I have some friends that are like decidedly anti 2 QB or Superflex. I don't necessarily know that it's more complicated because the main thing that it really is, is you just have to understand the format you're playing in. So in one quarterbacks in, there are 12 teams. Typically most people play 12 team leagues. Maybe you play 14, maybe you play 10, but most people play 12. So if you think about it, there are at least 12 very good quarterbacks in the league. And most of those guys are going to end up with at least one on their team that they can start and not worry about it. However, when you get into two QBs or super flex, then you're talking about most people having, let's say, at least 24 if you're not including the insurance QBs. When you think about it, there are definitely, even though 
there are enough starters to go around. Not all of them are good starters. Like if you're talking about starting Joe Flacco as your main guy, you're probably going to have issues that year. So what it does is it changes the value of quarterbacks. And at least in my opinion, I know there are some one QBs with QB premium scoring. It properly values quarterbacks because in one QB leagues, quarterbacks are just so devalued, even though they're one of the more important positions on the field that it's almost not worth playing one quarterback leagues to me. To build off that is it's, it's really no point in playing one QB leagues and we'll get to how we draft in the different leagues here in a minute. But the reason I say there's no point is because it completely waters down the quarterback position. It's just, it's entirely too easy. I'm going to get probably one decent quarterback and then I'm going to get two guys that I'm going to start in good matchups if my one quarterback is on a bye or uh, gets injured. So that's my take on one quarterback. At me all you want. It's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Difference in two quarterbacks, though, is, yeah, you got to be a little bit more savvy, but I say screw it. Join the most complex league because you're probably not going to do great your first year anyways. Um, but that's what's awesome about Dynasty. I mean, you just rebuild and you have a – or you're like me and you just always want to win now. Uh, just put the work in for a couple of days, make some trades, and you're right back in it. So it's not like your David Johnson went down for me and, and uh, redraft and it's like, great, what do I do now? Dynasty, you can still trade David Johnson if he went down for a year because people want him next year. So you're going to figure it out. Uh, you don't need to – don't even waste your time on one QB. Yeah, and I would also say just to add there that there's a learning curve for pretty much any format. So anytime I start a new format, I expect that I'm not necess- – and sometimes I do compete right away, but I generally expect I'm not going to be in the championship right away. But I actually think you're in the best year right now, Chris, which is year two. Year two, after you've had your rookie draft and you've seen a year of trading and how your format works, that's, in my opinion, when things really start to click. It takes about two seasons – being a league of any format for you to go okay i'm starting to feel comfortable and kind of have a sense of what i'm doing now all right so i guess maybe that means that this year i'll be able to compete and uh you know me drafting you know eric swope in like this you know the sixth <laughs> round it, it might pay off for me is that is that what you're telling me because i mean uh, uh, I, maybe I have... not on eric swope but to, if it makes you feel any better uh, i had a, my very first dynasty league i traded keenan allen for monty ball and <laughs> That roster was atrocious. Now I'm running out a roster that has Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, uh, Keenan Allen, and Amari Cooper as my main wide receivers. And it's not like it's some five-team league. This is a normal 12-team league with very competitive guys that have just built up through trading. So you can come back from that Eric Swoop thing. Okay. All right. So there might be some hope for me. Okay. So now, I mean, building off of uh, actually a comment that you uh, that you that you made earlier about some of your friends being completely anti two QB. I mean, can mm-hmm. you? I mean, do you know why some folks? I mean, do you have any sense as to why some folks might be just completely against the format? Because at least to me, I mean, my first uh, my first real experience in a two QB league was in the uh, SFB seven uh, you know, this mm-hmm. past this past year. Uh, salute to Scott Fish. Uh, I mean, I I had a ton of fun in the league. I mean, I drafted Tom Brady at the seventh overall. I mean, you know, 
it didn't really work out, you know, all too well, at least from, you know, that particular pick. But then I grabbed Alvin Kamara off waivers and made it to the playoffs. So, hey, hey. Uh, you know, it, worked out, it worked out for me. But, I mean, uh, you know, why do you think some folks are just so against, you know, that particular format? I guess the main argument that I've heard, and this is more a knock, at least in my opinion, against two QBs than it is against Superflex, because I personally, my favorite format is Superflex. It, it's the middle ground between one QB and two QB where it solves some of the issues with both. So the main argument I've heard is, oh, I don't want to have to have you know Joe Flacco on my bench. Or I'm really picking on Joe Flacco tonight. But, yeah, you are. Uh, Joe Flacco. He's elite. Yeah, he just comes to mind because I think he's like maybe the bottom tier. Um, in, or I'll make this up and pick a rookie to pick on now. Mason Rudolph in the future will be another guy that I bring up as my gross example. But <laughs> that's uh, that's what they say is, you know, I don't want to have to roster those guys. It's not fun to roster those guys. And the scoring makes it so that you have to roster a guy like that. In two quarterbacks, it's actually somewhat of a valid criticism. However, as I said earlier, in Superflex, because you don't have to have that insurance – you don't have to roster a guy like Joe Flacco if you don't want to. You're probably wrong because you can easily build value off a guy like Joe Flacco, but you still don't have to do it. Right, so I'm I'm pulling up a league right now that I think is a perfect example of basically what you're saying is it will value the quarterback position, but you're going to end up getting stuck with Joe Flacco's. I had Aaron Rodgers last year. Rest in peace, Aaron Rodgers. See you next year. Um, so I made it to the second round of the playoffs. Now, granted, I understand there's an asterisk. Alex Smith went off, but I got Alex Smith, traded for him. Uh, knee-jerk reaction to the Aaron Rodgers. I had Josh McCown, Andy Dalton, and Blake Bortles, and I made it to the second round. I should have won if AB played. Whatever. I was going the against Todd Gurley. The championship with Blake Bortles. There's just something wrong there. Blake Bortles is like the trump card. You play him, you win. <laughs> Blake Bortles like, is not the problem, clearly. Huge yeah. problem. <laughs> huge problem not winning the championship with Blake Bortles. But I should get um, some kind of points for starting him anyways, right? Before we get too far on to the 2B, 2QB subject and the Superflex subject, let's talk a little bit about 1QB, and then we'll move on because nobody wants to talk about 1QB. <laughs> Um, All right, so I'm just going to mention him by name at this point. Kyle Lebrecht, if you're listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can come at these guys, not at me. I'm not the one saying that. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it, it's fun for what it's worth. But in all seriousness, we all came up in one QB. Superflex is sort of new. Maybe it was kind of as exotic before. And now it's just more common. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's at very that point, fun. it's been up and coming. It definitely has been coming on stronger, where it's been a very small community for a while and now it seems like everybody is asking where's the two QB or super flex content. Right. And now, and we've been kind of poking fun, but and honestly, the, the reason we're doing this podcast is so you can pick whatever format you want um, with a little education behind it. So let's talk about drafting the quarterback position in one QB first. And um, I'll give you my take on it. We'll see where you go for there. I'm most positive you're going to agree because you're a smart person. But in one Way to QB, position it as your take is the right take and any other take is dumb. That was, a, that was a smooth move there. Right, exactly. So in one QB, please let everybody else draft quarterback first. Please. Now this is why I want everyone else to draft quarterback first. You're taking so much value in the early picks. 
you're going to have that one owner that's drafting Aaron Rodgers in the first round in the one QB league. Rest in peace to their team. Um, but we're, we're taking guys late. Now, I'll mention like the Kirk Cousins and the Jimmy Garoppolo tier kind of. You know, you'll get them maybe like in the sixth round or even Matt Stafford, maybe like the sixth round. That's kind of mid-round QB. That's fine. And that's what I'm going to advocate, probably what most smart people would advocate. But myself, I love late-round QB, and there's so much late-round QB topics out there. But just for an example, I'm perfectly fine rolling out a roster in a one QB league with Philip Rivers, Tyrod Taylor, and – who you know whoever's starting for the Jets whatever you know what I mean uh that's perfectly fine for me in a one QB league and also another strategy that I build on that is that I'm always going to draft a QB in the rookie draft in a one QB league and that's just because you might hit on Russell Wilson he wasn't the top two QB at the time either so you probably a QB in the mid second I would have to check out the rookie draft I've been looking a lot of the super flex rookie drafts but in one QB I would imagine in the mid second you're going to get a pretty nice young guy maybe Baker or something so and then you hit on there and now you have your Russell Wilson Carson Wentz tier but you got it for you know virtually free a second so Bobby what do you what is your uh, draft strategy for one QB yeah, I have absolutely nothing to add there. You nailed my draft strategy for one QB. Um, the only thing I wanted to add is that I believe recently it was, and don't get me wrong, he's not my favorite quarterback, but I realize he's been a top 12 option every uh, season. But Dak Prescott was a fourth-round rookie pick in most one-quarterback leagues. Mm-hmm. So that strategy of just adding a quarterback every season, if you can, can easily pay dividends, especially if you wait, as we mentioned, for a later guy in the format just devalues the position so much that you might as well just do it and build your wide receivers and your running backs first. Okay, now that makes sense from a, you know, again from a new person standpoint. I mean, coming from coming from just doing mostly redraft leagues, I am definitely a, a fan of the late round quarterback approach. Uh, but now, when it comes to uh, dynasty, so now does your approach stay the same regardless of if it's a you know dynasty startup? You just now, I mean, you're just forming the league, twelve guys. I mean, do you still take that same approach, or you know, or was that or is that approach normally used for like a league that you're you know you're two, three, four years into it? Yeah, that's my startup strategy. Is at, at least in one QB is late round QB. Generally, in the early rounds, I'm going wide receivers because they tend to have the longest careers. Then later on, I'll take a quarterback eventually, but I tend to build up my wide receivers and running backs first. Even running backs, uh, I know we're talking about quarterbacks, but I wait on running backs a bit because, again, more so with your first-round rookie picks, but you can find value for running backs that you just year after year, unless they're Adrian Peterson, you turn your roster over and just get – you know, the Alvin Kamara's or Kareem Hunt's last year in the late first, for example. Right, and a lot of people are going to tell you uh, there's so many good resources out there to show you. If you look back at 2014 and you see how many players are left in the top of the, you know, the RB1 conversation for 2014 to now, it's it's far less running backs. But another thing, like you mentioned, is that the, the roster turnover. So what we mean by that is it's the end of the year. You've got your Kendron, your Kenyon Drake, your Marshawn Lynch, maybe Dar- DeMarco Murray would have been a good example. He's cut without a team right now. But if those guys had good seasons, you're going to want to 
kind of move them right now and just kind of leave your roster void of running back basically sort of right now. And then you're going to try to hit your value again next year. That's not to say that you're selling uh, David Johnson if you landed him or Le'Veon Bell if you landed him. Not saying you can't sell them for good value, but you're not looking to turn over your roster if you've got those guys. But the guys that you hit on last year uh, and they finished strong, definitely good guys to move right now. Jamal Williams might be another one. So that's just a little bit about the roster turnover situation. Yeah, a good example there is in that same league I mentioned earlier. I had uh, not Jordan Howard, but uh, Jeremy Langford is who I was trying to think of. Yep. Coming off his one good season, and I turned him into another first-round pick because I went, there's no way he repeats this. Actually, I think I turned him into two first-round picks. That's an entirely different discussion. Yeah, but, but that's awesome. That's good advice, though. If you don't have yeah one of those top guys like Adam mentioned, like David Johnson or Bell or really, you know, I'd say like the top three to five guys, if I'm not competing that year or think I'm not competing, sometimes even if I am competing, I'm selling those guys for whatever I can get because basically the way I think about it is you want your receivers to be somewhat old so they're experienced. Not saying you want them to be like 30 plus. Right, right. Experienced. And you want your running backs to be young because the younger they are, the less cred they have on the tires, as we say in the business. So just going back to two quarterback, I want to try to bring it together. Um, Now we talked about the late round QB. Now I want to see how we're changing our strategy when we go to two QB and super flex. So what, I'm doing in 2QB and Superflex is a complete 180. I'm drafting quarterback very early. Now, I will say I don't want to go in the first round. I would like not to go quarterback first round. You have a lot of value in that first round. But I do suggest, if we're getting a little bit more in-depth, trading up from the second because there's a ton of value in the third, too, if you can work that trade out. Uh, And we'll get into trades in a later episode. But basically – you do want a top QB. Like you have to have a top QB and a super flex or a two QB. And then from there, maybe you implement late round, but you better still have, you know, Wentz or Russell Wilson early. What do you think, Bobby? So I'm a little different. Um, it all depends on the draft board. I don't have a set strategy for super flex. Uh, two QB is different, but super flex specifically, I don't have a set strategy. So let's say I'm picking. I like to pick at the end, so let's say I'm picking 12th, and it yep. gets to me, and I notice a bunch of wide receivers are off the board and a bunch of running backs are off the board. Of course, at that point, I'm going to grab Russell Wilson, who's my QB1, and go, great, I got my QB1. That's just changing my strategy based on what the board around me is doing. However, normally, if I can, I'd say that I'd like to grab my quarterback in the fifth round. So what I'll do is grab someone like a Matthew Stafford or a Phillip Rivers, guys who are continually QB1s, but for whatever reason, everyone goes, oh, I just don't like this guy. And then later on, I'll grab another QB2, maybe a bit higher than you would. I'd still wait a bit, but maybe in like the eighth or ninth round, something like that. And I'll grab another decent QB3, but then after that, I'll basically just try to hit on rookies like I do in the one QB leagues. The difference is that those rookies I'm taking with my first round pick, if it's depending on the year. So this year, for example, if I have the 1-3 to the 1-7, I would take pretty much any of my top three guys there. Just not Josh Allen, right? Absolutely not Josh Allen. If you take Josh <laughs> Allen in the first round and tell me about it, I will probably get drop blocked. him in my mouth a little. Yeah, get, get blocked. blocked. Yeah. <laughs> so um, 
two strategies I want to get to before we move on because I know all the experienced donors are want to have my head right now. I do want to go into a draft with a strategy, but I'm also going to tell everybody that's coming into Dynasty new and hasn't done a Dynasty draft or is coming up on theirs, like please be completely ready to throw your strategy 100% out of the window. A lot of people experienced are going to say, eh, I don't even go in with the strategy. You know, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I am i can't do that. I have to be organized. So I'm going to have a strategy like I told you before. Um, I'm probably going to trade up. I'm going to spend my first round pick on someone elite and then try to trade up for a, a top let's say six quarterback once the once we get to about Dak is where I'm not really too concerned like he's not he he's good and he's young but he's not elite enough for me to really make any moves for him but once we get past like that top five I'm going more towards Bobby's strategy in a heartbeat you know forget everything I said if it went all quarterbacks in the first round for instance no thank you I'm going to take the best running back and the best wide receiver off the board. So keep that in mind. Your strategy is trash depending on, you know, what the rest of the league does. Hopefully yeah, they that, do the right thing. But That's completely fair, Adam. You know, especially when I was newer, I did try to stick to strategies. My concern with strategies is that if you try to stick to them and things don't go according to your strategy plan, if you're a newer owner, you could definitely tend to panic. So all I'm really advising is don't panic. If someone goes all running backs, Go wide receivers. If they go all wide receivers, grab your top tight end. If they do that, just try to change it up so that if you notice there's value, grab the value. That's totally as simple as I can make it. If you see value somewhere on your board, you're probably not wrong to grab that value at that pick. So it sounds like to me, at least from from what you're describing, the age old adage of uh, you know zigging while folks are zagging, you know that sort of thing. Yep. Like where, where you're trying yep. to identify value if you're seeing a bunch of. You know, if you're seeing positional scarcity on one end, you know, try and find a place where you can, you know, make your hay like, a, you know, at a separate position, that that sort of thing. Is that is, mm-hmm. that, is that kind of what you're getting at there? Yeah, that's exactly right. And okay. you can always use, I obviously don't really use them anymore, but Adam's exactly right that when I was starting out in Dynasty, I would look at the DLF ADP as well as pretty much every other cheat sheet I could get my hands on to have an idea of how the quote unquote experts viewed players. So you can always look at that to get an idea of what the general consensus value is so that if you don't know yourself, you can at least have an idea going into the draft. And that can be your strategy of, I don't have a set strategy of what position I'm taking, but I at least know the values by different positions. That's probably the best thing I could advocate. And so now from the, from the format as a whole, as we're talking about two QB leagues, we discussed the format, at least all three formats on the whole earlier and saying that, you know, a lot of folks are trying to, it's the both two QBs and Superflex are a bit more prevalent now, becoming a bit more popular. I mean, do you have any idea as to as to why? Because, you know, I'm seeing, you know, the again, the Scott Fishbowl is like my, my only reference. But, I mean, that is a whole other thing with the way that Scott has, like, the scoring and stuff set up. And being able to play with other folks that are, like, fairly prominent within the industry is always, is always a treat for, you know, for those of us that are fans. I mean, but the format by itself, I mean, can, can you think of a reason why folks are, you know, getting into it a bit more nowadays? Sure, yeah. So there's the fact that there's more content that's produced for it. So, for example, we both write for 2QBs.com, and that in itself didn't exist until a few years ago. Um, there are podcasts now that solely focus on quarterbacks and superflex. And it's also just what you mentioned just a second ago, is that guys who are considered very influential 
in the industry, like Scott Fish, have said, I'm going to run leagues, and my, I find one quarterback boring, I'm going to make it two quarterback or super flex. And it's an imitation game where if everyone sees that, you know, top fantasy guy, Scott Fish, runs his leagues this way, well, then I'm going to run my leagues the way Scott Fish does, or I'm going to run my way the, my leagues the way Ryan McDowell does. So once those guys decide this is the way that leagues should be run, especially in the dynasty community, everyone is mimicking those leagues. And we're playing fantasy football because we enjoy real football for the most part. I think for a long time it bothered people that the most prominent position in real football was almost almost definitely the least valuable. In I mean, we, we can have the no, argument with the tight end. Right. With okay, kickers and defense don't belong. We'll we'll have a podcast. Well, that's a whole other conversation. But but you could argue tight end. But quarterback is all we're watching on the on Sundays. And but in your fantasy league, you're seeing the guy win with Josh McCown. It's like, why did I just lose my whole league to the guy who had Josh McCown? There was no uh, real strategy behind drafting quarterback. You just got the best guy on the off the waivers, and then. I noticed a lot during the past few years that the real smart people were just streaming quarterbacks, which I started to adapt myself. So then it became, why do we even have the quarterback position? Because you didn't really even need to draft them. Someone was going to get hurt. And so the position got devalued so much that you didn't even, you didn't even really have interest on Sundays. And like I said, that's why we're playing fantasy football is because on Sundays we're going to watch our team go out there and perform so that's another reason why Superflex and 2QB, they weren't prominent at first. But when they started coming around, like Bobby said, with Scott Fish and Ryan McDowell uh, making those awesome leagues, then guys were like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. Like, let's actually use quarterbacks. Yeah, it's to Adam's point, you know, it definitely uh, kills your excitement. If you watch Aaron Rodgers pass for four touchdowns and then go, oh, yeah, I have Aaron Rodgers, that's awesome. And then go, oh, wait, but my opponent has Drew Brees, and he also passed for four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not that exciting. But you go, oh, I have Aaron Rodgers, and look, my opponent was dumb and didn't draft a quarterback till late, and he has Josh McCown, and he got one touchdown. Now that's something I can get pumped up about watching it on Sunday. True, yep. Now moving on, I mean, so now we've discussed uh, discussed one QB. Nobody likes it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we went over went over two QBs, so now let's get into get into Superflex. And uh, as you mentioned beforehand, uh, Bobby, uh, when it comes to uh, both of these formats, both two QB and Superflex, I mean, again, there's enough differences between the two that, of course, you you know they are they are completely separate animals. Uh, but you know, for for a Superflex league, so I'll, I'll present you with with a situation that I've got. So I've got a right. league. Uh, it's a one QB league. And uh, but it's with, with a bunch of guys, you know, like the ones that you mentioned that are just completely anti two QB, like they mm-hmm. both not really down with the draft strategy or whatnot. Would you think that offering up a super flex league would be a compromise, you know, to a super flex format? Like, do you see it, uh, you know, or rather to uh, offering up super flex as a compromise to a two QB format? Sorry, I phrased the question incorrectly. Uh, absolutely, but the thing is that those guys who want to stick to one QB leagues. Usually, if they say they want to stick to one QB leagues, they're very adamant about it, where they won't oh, yeah. accept any kind of change. Okay. So Superflex, as I mentioned earlier, is my favorite format because it is it takes the problems of one QB and the problems of two QB and minimizes both. 
where one QB quarterbacks are undervalued, two QBs quarterbacks, I will say this, they are almost overvalued to the point where, you know, your QB threes that are on your bench might get traded for a first round rookie pick, which is yep. just ridiculous. So Superflex takes that and kind of finds the middle ground between the two, which is why I like it. But those guys who are telling you that they don't want to play in two quarterback leagues, if you start telling them that there's the possibility that you can start two quarterbacks, even if they don't have to, they'll just be against it. I don't know what it is, but it's one of those things where people draw a line in the sand where they say, no, 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 I am not changing. I actually think that the people who are very adamant about playing one QB, and I could be totally wrong, but I think it's people who've been playing fantasy for a very long time. And they're almost like the traditionalists in the NFL where they're like, the game has always been this way. I will yes. never change it. Right. And uh, I want to apologize to all the people that love one quarterback that we don't have a one quarterback representative here. <laughs> I know we've poked a lot of fun, but seriously, play whatever league you're, you enjoy. And um, I, I know all three of us would be happy to help anyone with any league that they're in. I mean, I've never been in a contract league in my life and I've just been diving into it with different guys that have had different questions and it's so much fun. It's like you're a real GM. Um, I know we're coming close one time, Chris, but I wanted to kind of award the, the listeners that um, sat through the whole <laughs> podcast that have been doing it with talking a little bit of rookie because I know that's all the rage right now. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Bobby, you and I talked about rookies a little bit earlier, and we kind of gave you our gave our rankings. Let's mm-hmm. just pretend Josh Allen doesn't exist. <laughs> you give me your, your top five, and then tell me why you have your QB1. Sure. So I already gave you guys my QB1, but my yep, QB1 is Josh Rosen. And the reason why is he has, in my opinion, the safest floor in the class. He doesn't necessarily have the most upside. He has, don't get me wrong, he has upside. He doesn't have the most upside, but what he has is the safest floor where he is a great pocket passer. He's not going to give you any like weeks below 10 points, at least in my opinion, if he lands in a good situation. So I would take him just based on the fact that if you combine his ceiling and his floor, it averages out to what is the best player in my opinion. And we talked about this earlier, Bobby, how we, we thought it was weird that the first quarterback in the NFL draft is Mm -hmm. a lot of our well, we'll say you and I's four. And yep. I don't think that that's a knock to Darnold at all. Um, these other guys are just, they're all guys. So the reason I wanted to bring this up and to kind of bring full, full circle before we get out of here is that if you drafted your team accordingly, how we discussed earlier, you're going to take the strategy where you're going to hit on quarterback in the rookie draft, then you're going to go upside. So I rank my guys based on upside. So, I'm almost like you. I take Baker first. I think Baker has the most upside. I've got Rosen at two. Then I have Lamar Jackson at three yep, over I Donald. Agree with you. The big reason I have Lamar Jackson at three is because he's been knocked so hard, but this guy has so much potential. It's unbelievable. Like they, you, We all know that they're trying to get him to play wide receiver. That's not true, but somebody out it's there. It's not happening. Not happening. Somebody out there said it and, and – Everyone ran yeah. with it. Not going to happen, but guy like that's going to fall because somebody said he should play wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Give me Lamar Jackson at three all day with that upside. Hopefully I drafted well previously, and then I'm going to take my shot on maybe the next Mike Vick, you know, and then my four, Sam Darnold. I don't want to talk about Josh Allen. We'll, <laughs> we'll like 
we'll like scribble his name in it. Five, I guess. But I have him um, at five, even though I don't like him. Basically, yeah. to me, it's a QB class of four, and then Josh Allen, who might be relatively okay. And right, actually, like so, we said, throws a country mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he throws country mile, but not accurately. I do have right. um, and Adam and I were talking about this earlier. I have a article coming out for two QBs relatively soon. It's about the rookie quarterbacks, the five that we just mentioned. Yep. I projected landing spots for them and what it means for their fantasy purposes. So, uh, shameless self plug on the pod, but check oh, it absolutely out. Not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's what this is for. I will give a sneak peek that I had Lamar Jackson. I know I talked to Adam about this a bit going to, or maybe I didn't, going to the Arizona Cardinals. No, we and did. Okay. Part of the reason that I really like that is him and David Johnson running the option. That would be ridiculous for his fantasy upside. Right. All right, guys. So what's the over-under on the amount of times you hear RPO if Lamar Jackson <laughs> goes to the Cardinals? <laughs> so 5,000. 5,000, yeah. So here's here's my, my counter proposal to that. Play the drinking game with every time somebody says RPO. And see if you Ugh. see if you can make it out of that alive. You're gonna die. <laughs> there's there's no way you'd be able to make it. So all right, so we're coming up on an hour. Uh, Bobby, we, we definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk with us tonight. Uh, one last thing that we want to out of your out of your mind, like before we let you go for the evening. Pet peeves about the dynasty community. So you know, <laughs> in in your time that you you know that you've been you've been a part of the community. You know, you've been in leagues and whatnot. I mean, what's what's one thing that you, you know that you've you know come across? It could be you know way other owners act or something that you know typically occurs like in your leagues that you know just. just rubs you the wrong way and that you could tell new owners or even current owners that you know to kind of watch out for sure i'd say i love trading trading is probably my favorite thing in all of dynasty uh besides winning I, don't get me wrong winning is number one Absolutely. but in trades the thing that really bothers me is when you try to or not you just the general you try to explain your trade to me because what that you may not realize it but it's condescending where you say, oh, this makes so much sense to your team, and I know so much better than you do. You might not think that you're saying you know so much better than I do, but by explaining how the trade is good for my team, especially if I've already rejected it, which, by the way, has happened before, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. It's just there's no need for that. It makes me not even really want to work with you in the future, and that's something really important to keep in mind. Don't get me wrong, in almost every league, I have one or two guys that I have a really difficult time trading with, but you generally want to be upfront with people and have a good working relationship. And if you can't come to a trade, be nice about it and just say, like, I don't think there's a match here. Sorry. You don't have to be a jerk about it because those guys are ideally going to be in your league for a while unless they drop out. So you want to make sure you have a good relationship with them because they have a player you want or a player that makes sense for your team and you have a player that makes sense for their team, you want to be able to come to uh, trade easily with them and that makes sense you're going to be dealing with this these folks you know year in and year out unless somebody happens to leave and the, you know there's an orphan there you know a new owner new owner comes in i mean these are folks that you're going to be dealing with for you know for quite some time so there has to be some sort of i would say not necessarily uh you know respect is the word that comes to mind i mean that's not necessarily that's not really the word that i'm going for but i mean you guys understand what i'm saying like where it's yep. you know there's a, there's a mutual respect and understanding that has to be you know that has to be you know received between both the person that's making the trade and the person receiving the trade so there's you know that sort of you know 
uh, friendship, let's say, for lack of a better term. If, you know, even though you guys are competing against each other, but there's that respect, you know, between between everybody yeah. in the league. The one amendment I'd make to that is you don't necessarily have to be friends. I don't love everybody that I'm in a league with, but you do after. I agree with the word respect. You do have to respect each other. Is if you don't respect me and trust me, I've been in leagues with owners that I didn't think were respecting me. I just won't even deal with you, and then that's bad for both of us. And a quick tip, walk away from a failed trade the exact same way that you would walk away from a successful trade mm-hmm. um, because you, you just executed a future trade without even knowing it. So, Yep, I agree with that. Just always say, uh, if I make a trade, I always say something like, it's been a pleasure doing business with you or just like a quick note of like, hey, it was great to make this deal because, as I said, you want to work on maintaining that relationship. All right, so I think that's it for this evening. Again, Bobby, we definitely appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully at some point in the future we'll be able to get you back on and then uh, you know, we'll talk some more Blake Bortles and whatnot, and then uh, especially after the draft because you know, depending on where some of these rookies land, uh, we definitely want to have you back so we can uh, you know, get a feel for how you think the next season you know, is, is, going to, is going to shake out when it comes to Dynasty. So, again, Bobby, uh, let the folks know where they can, where they can find you at. Sure, and I appreciate you guys having me on. A uh, quick shout out to uh, Blake Bortles, my polar bear, who I named after Blake. Yes, nice. yes. Uh, I adopted him through the WWF. Check that out. I posted a picture a while ago, but you can yep. find me at Rec Fantasy. It's R E K E D Fantasy. You can find my work on Dynasty League Football, Two QBs. I'm a draft consultant now, and you can also find me on the Afterburners Pod, where I talk about quarterbacks all the time. And give uh, pop culture references and burn sometimes. So okay. And Adam, uh, where can we find you at? I'm at Dynasty. Or sorry, D H H underscore Adam. Mostly working on the Dynasty Owners Manual. And just know if we ask you to come on the future, we're gonna plug you twice because no one is going to forget our guests. Okay. <laughs> never. We are never going to forget you, Bobby. All right. And I'm Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter uh, complaining about something or arguing with somebody about some sort of ridiculous food take at Chris Allen FFWX. You can find all my work at Fantrax and FFCouchCoach.com and at 2QBs soon. And also, yes, I am also a consultant over at Draft Consultants, Inc. So looking forward to this year. It's going to be a lot of fun, gentlemen. So thanks again, Bobby. And uh, we will catch you all next week.